Growing up, one of the questions that we ask people on a regular basis is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And from a young age, it was instilled in me, and I don't know where I got this from, but that what I wanted to be was successful. Now, that may have changed over the years as to how you define success, whether that be by making lots of money, by being happy. But I always wanted to be successful. And it may have meant popularity or being renowned for what I do. But the question that I'd like to start with is, how do you measure success? How do you define success? If I said, how would you define success in your family, in your job, in your life? How would you define success in the church? And as you ponder that last question, I've got a confession. And I believe that somewhere along the way, we as church leaders especially, have bought into the wrong definition of success. And in so doing, we have brought others down this path where we believe and deem success to be the growing of our own kingdoms. That, that success for a church is deemed by getting more folks into the seat so that we can grow bigger budgets, so that we can build bigger buildings and continue the cycle because we, now that we have bigger buildings, we need more people to fill the seats and so on and so forth. And so therefore growth by numbers reflects success. And it's led to this belief for many that Sunday morning is the central focus of our faith. We ask, how many did you have in church on Sunday morning? We, even as preachers, have to report back how many actively attended and how much money was given on the Sunday mornings. And we have made worship a type of performance and production. It's something that is led by professionals, professional music leaders and professional preachers. And we use this term, we may not say it out loud, but we think it, that's what we pay you for. I'm not going to get up there and preach, that's what we pay you for. I'm not going to get up there and lead worship, that's what we pay you for. And the congregations, sadly, have become somewhat of an audience. And we've bought in this consumeristic Christianity. And we've sadly created a generation that buys into this thought process. People that come to church for no other reason but themselves. Do they feed me? Do they take care of me and my family? Our needs? Do they entertain me? And, and we see this because people will leave church strictly because they say, oh, well, I didn't like his style of preaching. 
I'm, I'm reminded of having a conversation with a friend of mine and asking them what it would take to get them to go to a particular church that I was serving at. And they said, I would never come to your church because you don't have anything to offer for my children. And I asked them, well, what would it look like if you came in with us and you helped us to create a children's ministry? And they said, nope. I want something already in place. This consumeristic style of faith has removed all of our responsibility of living out our faith. We, we can buy into the false narrative that our responsibility is to come, maybe even bring a friend, to sit, to say I went to church, to maybe experience some good preaching or good music. And that's how we deem Christianity. But the result is that we've become full-time members, but we're only part-time disciples. And as we've heard over the past couple of weeks, Jesus never calls us to membership, but Jesus calls us to discipleship. And I want you to hear these words as we look at church and what church was supposed and what it is supposed to be. In Acts chapter 2, at the birth of the church, beginning in verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods, distribute the proceeds to all as they had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home, ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This consumeristic style of faith, many of us long for Acts 2.47. That God will add to our number day by day. Yet we're not willing to live into verses 42 through 46. We want God to add to our numbers daily while we only gather and worship weekly. And maybe we need to hear this, but we can't be the church only when it's convenient or scheduled. Because the church isn't where we gather, it's who we are, and it's what we do. And we hear this morning the marks of faithful community. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the being in community with one another, fellowship with each other, to the breaking of bread, to shared meals, and to prayer. This is the call to do work, to do the work of the church. It's a call that leads us back to the basics that says sometimes we may have overcomplicated what it means and what it looks like to be the church. Because by spending time with God and God's people, we are being the church. Notice, at the very beginning, what the church is all about is relationship, relationship, relationship. It's about caring for one another. 
Notice in verse 44 that it says, All who believed were together and had all things in common, that they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all that had need. They were caring for one another. They knew each other's needs. They clung to the teachings of Christ. Not their own wants and desires. Not even necessarily what the preachers would proclaim. But the teachings of Christ. What Christ exemplified in the way in which he lived and loved. And they carried this out by coming to the table and sharing in meals together. Giving to one another what they had. We've lost the art of sitting at one another's table. I, I lived with a family that one of our favorite times was mealtime. And one of the reasons that it was our favorite time is because people from around the community would inevitably just show up at dinner time. And we would share in a meal together and people would bring what they had. We would always gather together and share in what we had experienced and how our life was going and care for one another as we were being fed physically, we were being fed emotionally and spiritually as we loved on each other, as we cared for one another. So we met at the table. You see, Jesus sets the table and says, it's about loving neighbor. But he says it's also about prayer. It's about staying in communication and in love with God as we cling to God's teachings and as we understand that prayer is a two-way street. It's not simply us pouring out what we want, but it's also listening for God and God's call for us. This is the basics of the church. This is why when Jesus is asked the greatest commandment, he says, love God and love neighbor. But I want you to notice something that I think is interesting. There's nothing in this about seeking to convert or change. Yet we hear at the end that God added to their number day by day. Because simply living the Christian life, doing what Christ called us to do, doing what Christ led us to while he was here on earth, brings about awe of God. Now, I want you to hear this. Living out the Christian life may not unto itself lead to growth in numbers. But that's where we have to be really honest with ourselves and ask what our focus is. Is growth what we are seeking to achieve or are we seeking to live faithful lives? Because what we see in our text this morning is growth happens as a byproduct of faithful Christian living. So what is our focus? Is it growth or God? Because when growth is the desire, we find ourselves in a consumeristic faith where authenticity can fall and falter where we are putting on a performance. But notice that the early church, they were devoted to God, not to church growth. And we see what happens. Are we willing to engage in the principles and the practices of relationship with God and neighbor? Or are we seeking to grow in community, in that common unity of serving God and loving one another? 
Our text is very clear. It is a call. And the call is this. That in order to be the church, it's time that we start to do the work. Amen and amen.